0: Thanks, Kate. Good morning. This is the second last week in our series called Enthusiasm. So next Sunday morning is the last message because the nighttime will be our carol service as part of Carols for Kids. Uh, But today I just want to give you a little bit of a fun warning about the message. Um, This is not my message. I'm not supposed to be standing up here this morning. I'm supposed to be sitting down there relaxing uh, or or praying for Laura who was going to preach who lost her voice overnight. Uh, so I presume watching online from home with the kids uh, and um, she'll see how close I got to preaching what was on her heart uh, and you'll find out if it makes any sense if we grab someone else's message. Thankfully for me, she hadn't prepared stories and illustrations about pregnancy or having long hair or other things that are unique to her. Uh, we'll see how we go. Um, so second last week in this series, we've been talking about what are our inner drivers, our, our inner motivations for life. And particularly for the big decisions in life, the crossroad moments, where does our motivation, our enthusiasm come from? You know, why would we ever trust and rely on God? Why would we choose to discover and rediscover who Jesus is? Why would we choose to follow him or to repent and turn away from death and trust that his pathway is a path of life? Why would we do those things? Where does that enthusiasm and that inner driver come from when we're at the crossroads of life? In Jeremiah, in the Old Testament, chapter 6, there's a verse we've been coming back to um, each week in this series. And it says that this is what the Lord says to stop. Stop at the crossroads. And look around and ask for the old godly way and walk in it. And the word there is not, you know, in our context, just ask for the way of the 1960s and walk in that way. Just ask for the way of the 1990s and walk in that way. Just ask for the ways of 2019 before COVID came and walk in that way. It's the old ancient godly ways that have always been true. Ask for those ways and walk in it travel its path, and you will find rest for your souls. But, God observed, you reply, no, that's not the road we want. So when we stand at a crossroad and we have a decision to make, big or small, we can choose to stop and ask, what is the ancient godly way, and choose to walk in it, but so often we don't. And maybe for some of you today, you've been a Christian for quite a while and these crossroad moments have been coming up for you again. You've navigated them before, you've been down different paths before, but they're coming up for you again today. And as this, in this message, in the second last week in the series, as we talk about how the Holy Spirit actively helps us to navigate the crossroads and walk down the path as we talk about how important the active help and the reviving of the Holy Spirit is you might think to yourself well I, I know about the Holy Spirit I've read about the Holy Spirit but I don't think I've ever experienced the Holy Spirit's active help in my life. Other people well I hear all about their stories and their experiences. They seem to hear, they seem to sense or feel or know and and have miraculous things happen that are undeniable. But me, I get nothing. No insight, no words, no experience, no feelings. I don't feel like I've ever had the Holy Spirit's active help. So how could I be revived by the Spirit, have the inner enthusiasm of the Spirit and rely on His help when I don't see it? Or feel it or hear it. We have to first trust. Trust the words of Jesus that we're going to come to in a few moments time when he promised to send the Holy Spirit. And he promised that the Holy Spirit would never leave. And so if our experience is different from others, we shouldn't jump to the conclusion that we don't have the Spirit's help. We have to hold on to the truth of what Jesus promised and trust that he is there with us. But, but what if that's not your experience this morning? You wouldn't consider yourself a Christian or you're, you're not really sure. And maybe talking about the Holy Spirit is not something that you're used to or that you know about and you don't understand anything that I said in the last couple of minutes. Don't. There's nothing to worry about there. We're going to unpack this and explain this more as we go along. So whether you feel like you are very experienced and walking with the Spirit or you feel like you have no idea what who the spirit is or what he could do in your life come with us as we navigate this crossroads of needing the spirit's help in the letter to the philippians in the new testament the apostle paul wrote this he said in philippians 119 for i know that as you pray for me and the spirit of jesus christ helps me this will lead to my deliverance And then in another letter to the Galatians, in chapter 4, verse 6, he says, And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. So the Apostle Paul, who followed after Jesus and, and did his ministry after Jesus had already gone and ascended to heaven, identified the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit of Jesus, the one who helps me and the one who has been sent into our hearts. But the Holy Spirit is at work long before you make that decision to accept who he is or to trust Jesus. Long before you stood at that crossroad, that crossroad of the most important decision you could ever make in your life, the decision of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Am I going to accept that or am I going to reject that? Long before you made a decision at that crossroad moment, the Holy Spirit was working Because the Spirit is the one who draws our hearts to Jesus. He shows us who Jesus is so that we are able to choose him. And so often, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time and you feel like today, I've never experienced the Spirit at work, you have to know that just simply that decision of believing in Jesus and that choice to follow him is not something you could do with your own abilities or with your own strength. It was revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Don't discount the work he's already done in your life. Paul wrote in another letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, so I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God or with the the empowerment of the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So at that crossroad moment in your life when you accepted Jesus as Lord, as God, that was something that was empowered by the Holy Spirit. If someone actually believes that and says that, it's not something that they can do on their own. It's something revealed to them by the Spirit, working, drawing them to Jesus. And even today, if even today you feel like you're at the crossroads of making that decision for the very first time or again, You're revisiting that crossroad decision. The Holy Spirit is the one who will draw you to Jesus and reveal Jesus to you. He's alive. That's what he exists to do, is to reveal Jesus to us, to draw our hearts to him. So don't ignore a still, small whisper of a voice, a prompting about Jesus. That crossroad decision moment in your life, that window of opportunity can change everything. As the verse in Jeremiah said, stop. Stop at the crossroads and look, look around. Look for the ancient godly path and ask the Spirit for his active help. I'm not sure. I don't know anymore. I can't decide. Help me. Help me, Holy Spirit. And then rest. Take a few deep breaths and wait and look to see if any ancient godly way appears by that still small voice in your spirit, by the confirmation of people around you or by something that you read in the Bible. That's a number of different ways that the Holy Spirit will revive you and lead you to Jesus. One of the other steps in our reviving is to understand or rediscover who the Spirit is as a person and what he exists to do, his work. Because in that same letter that the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, he warns them to not be ignorant, don't misunderstand or or miss important spiritual realities, spiritual gifts and things of the Spirit. He says, don't be ignorant about those things. So when we don't take the time to understand who the Spirit is, and we don't take the time to remember and remind ourselves and each other, we're not going to recognize him at work. We're not going to understand what he's doing in our lives and in the world. So Paul the Apostle wrote and expressed his desire to the churches that they would not misunderstand and not be ignorant and not ignore matters of the Spirit. And it's same for us as well. And it's, it's almost um, well, it's coincidental and not really planned that a few months ago we had a whole series called Breath of God talking about who this Holy Spirit is throughout the Bible and today. I mean, we, we planned that. That wasn't an accident. But when we planned that, we didn't know at that time that uh, Mike Pilavachi, a guest speaker, would be here midweek a couple of weeks ago or that his message would be about what it means to follow the Spirit beyond things that we can control. And we didn't know when those things happened that in this enthusiasm series that we've we've, um, borrowed or or been given by uh, a church in Kenmore in Brisbane and Pat Hegarty, the, the one who came up with the series, kicked it off for us, that this week was all about being revived by the Spirit. So accidentally or by God's design, we've been in this space of rediscovering the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's important to recapture who he is in his eternal existence, and who he is in our lives. Because the Holy Spirit, as revealed in the Bible, is not an influence, not a feeling, he's not the force, he's not just a power at work in our lives and in the world, but he is a person. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. And we need to see that and acknowledge him and lift him up and honour him Because he's not just a person, but he is God. He's a member of the Godhead, a member of the Trinity. As God the Father and Jesus the Son are God. The Holy Spirit is also God. He's not a ghost. He's not a haze. He's not just a breeze or a cloud or a vague something. He's a person. And he exists. His purpose, his role is to reveal Jesus and draw us to Jesus to help us, to help us know Jesus intimately and to follow his voice, to help us know that ancient godly way, the good path, even when the way seems bumpy. And so Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, he was with his disciples. And one of the most important things he said to them was that he was not just going to go and leave them, but he says in John 14, verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Now, the world at large, the rest can't receive him, because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you, talking to his disciples, people that had chosen to follow him, speaking to you, if that's you, you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now, Jesus didn't say, I'm going to go, and when you have the Spirit, it's going to be completely different. He said, I'm going to go, and when you have the Spirit, it's going to be another advocate. It's going to be same, same. But he said, it's actually going to be better. At another point, he said to them, it's better that I go away and better that you receive the spirit because he will live within each of you, revealing the truth to each of you and leading each of you down the path to life in your own life. And he will never leave you. Now, the word advocate that you see on the screen, if you have your your Bible open to a different translation, it might have another comforter. Might have another helper. They all come from this ancient Greek word that we get our original Bibles from. The word parakletos. Which is where we get our word parakeet. No. No, that's not where we get our word parakeet. That's from other languages. Means nothing the same. Parakletos is a word from ancient Greek that would mean a whole bunch, could mean a whole bunch of different things. Someone who would come alongside you as your advocate. Maybe imagine a court case you are in front of a judge in court and an advocate, a paracletos, comes and stands with you, pleads your case on your behalf, speaks to your good character, doesn't just write a reference for the court to have and read out, but goes with you and speaks to who you are and that you are a good person or, or not in trouble in this case, in the court case. They intercede They mediate, they counsel, they stand by you. All of those words are summed up in advocates. It's what Jesus obviously thought he was doing because he said, not I'm going to send you a brand new different advocate. I'm going to send you another advocate who will be like me, but with you and within you. So will you let, have you let the Holy Spirit be your helper? Helper and your advocate. You might think that you don't need anyone else. You don't need someone else to do that for you to come alongside you because you're independent and strong and resourceful and you've got this sorted you go okay sure sure i i I can't come to jesus and sure i can't go to heaven but but i can live my life by myself i don't need the spirit's active help i needed him to get me across the line but now i'm across the line i'm okay i don't need to ask for god's help in this situation i'm i'm okay i can handle whatever comes no matter which path i walk down by myself but When I ask myself that question, can I make it on my own? I know the answer is never yes. There is no way that I have it all sorted. I don't know the outcome of any day. I don't know the outcome of any decision that I make in my life. And I know that the kinds of things that life will throw up at me down any path I travel, I am not able to deal with or cope or carry on my own. I need another advocate. I need another helper. I need someone who will be with me and helping me and supporting me and standing by me no matter what comes in life. So when you're standing at the crossroads of just making a decision, you're looking left and you're looking right and you have no idea which way to go and you're feeling stressed and worried and grieving, the Holy Spirit in those moments doesn't just guide you which way to go, He does so much more than that. He He prays for you, intercedes on your behalf when you don't know what to do and you're stuck. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, same Apostle Paul who wrote nearly everything we've read this morning, he wrote in a letter to the Romans, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. There's a story of a father and son in a car at night on a lonely road. And the car starts to sputter and die and just the engine cuts out and the car comes to a complete stop. And it's dark and there's no one else around, and no, they haven't seen a car for ages, and they're a long way away from where they're going and a long way away from where they've come from. And so the dad says, look, I have no idea what's wrong with this car, but but you stay here, and I'm going to go around and pop the bonnet, and I'll have a look. And the son goes, well, dad, I'll... I'll pray for you. It's just, just a small child. Don't know anything about engines, but I'll pray that God helps us figure out what's going on. So dad hops out of the car, goes around, pops the bonnet, has a look, fiddles around, does, does something, comes back in and starts the car and it revs to life. And he hasn't noticed at all what the son is doing, sitting in his seat. But as the car revs to life, he hears his son's whispered prayers. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. And he goes, What well, I thought you said you were going to pray. Like we figured it out, it's so all good. You didn't need to pray, but I thought you said you were going to pray. He goes, I am praying, but I don't have a clue how to pray, so I'm just sending up the letters and I'm going to trust God to make something good out of them. I hold on to this promise that even when I don't know what to pray, and I don't know how to pray, that the Holy Spirit knows in those moments. And he can take my letters, and he can take my groans, and my sighs, and my complaints, and my pain, and he can turn them into prayers. Sometimes into his own groans. When I don't have the words to voice what I need or what's going on for me, the Holy Spirit knows and intercedes for me. And I can rest, I can breathe. I can be still in my spirit knowing that there is someone, an advocate who knows the depths of my heart and knows what I need in that moment. And he doesn't say try harder, work harder. He says, I get it, I'm with you. And when it's time to take a step, I'll help you take that step. Do you need the Holy Spirit to do that for you today? To turn your muddled thoughts into a beautiful, eloquent prayer. To bring your grief and anxiety and bring it with his own groans before the Father. You don't have to do anything. You can just stay in the passenger seat, send up some letters, and trust God. Some of you have the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, and you can pray in a language that you don't understand. That's a way that your spirit can pray and connect with the Holy Spirit. And others of you don't have that gift and that doesn't matter. You can just sit and be still, send letters, send words, send sighs or just breathe and be still and know that the Holy Spirit advocates for you when you don't know how to advocate for yourself. So not only does the Spirit advocate for you, not only does he reveal Jesus to you, but he also finds life within you and cultivates more life within you now in the old testament way back near the start there's the story of Noah and the flood and so Noah and his family are on the ark all the animals and the waters are starting to go down but they can't see any life anywhere it's just water and so Noah releases a dove to go and find life Now, the Holy Spirit in the Bible in a number of places is identified or or symbolically as a dove. Like when Jesus was baptized, it says the Holy Spirit descended like a dove on Jesus. And so in this case, Noah releases a dove to go and try and find some sign of life. And then once it finds a sign of life, to cultivate more life there, which is what doves do. Doves don't, they aren't scavengers. They don't go looking for dead things to eat. Doves will look for life and places full of life where they can rest. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Because when we're we, when we, we're at that crossroads and we're, we're compelled by the Spirit and enabled by the Spirit to trust in Jesus, and we believe in him and we begin to follow him immediately, not only is the Holy Spirit leading us, the Holy Spirit fills us and is with us. And so we move from being dead to being alive spiritually. There is life for the Spirit to rest on in us. It's 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 a little bit like a fridge. You, if you're a Christian, are like a refrigerator. Not cool and cold on the inside. But when you open the door, the light is on the inside. You don't need a torch when you open the door of your fridge if it's all dark outside because the light is built into the fridge. And if you're following Jesus, there is the light of the Holy Spirit already inside you for others to encounter. Anytime someone encounters you, opens you up a little bit, what they're going to experience is the light. And so that's true of you, but also there are parts of you that you try to hide from God. There are the vegetable crispers of your life. You know, I don't like the vegetable crispers. Sometimes I call them a beer crisper um, or a chocolate crisper to put more important things inside of them but but if you have a fridge where those things are opaque you could hide things in that shelf in your life where the light can't get to no matter how bright it shines and we try to do that with god we have moved from death to life we're following jesus but there are still parts of our life that we will try to hide from him and not reveal or not ask for help in there they're the things where we're stuck stuck in destructive habits stuck in addictive behaviors stuck in relationships that are going nowhere, and we try to manage those things by ourselves. But when we open up those things to Jesus, his light can expose them for what they are so that life can come in those places. In the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs 20, 27, it says, the Lord's light penetrates the human spirit exposing every hidden motive. Now, now we might be afraid of that because we feel like if light shines into those dark places of our life, it's going to hurt. People are going to find out and we're going to be embarrassed. We'll be broken. Our life will be over. God will judge us. God won't be pleased. Other people will judge us. I do not want those parts of my life to be seen, so I'm going to protect them. But in everything we've talked about in this series, the invitation from God is away from death to life. And so when his light wants to shine on those hidden places of your life, you can freely open up the drawers and let him in because he will bring life into those dead places and he will gently lead you out of those difficult, harmful, unhealthy, broken things and bring life to your character. But we need his active help to do that. We can't do it by ourselves. last verse for today the apostle paul wrote in galatians chapter 5 but the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control All good things. There's no law against those things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So now, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The Spirit lives within us to bring that good fruit into our character and out of our lives. See, it's our decision about Jesus that determines whether we're a Christian or not. But it's our dependence on the Spirit that determines what kind of Christian life we're going to live. See, it's our dependence on Jesus that tells us whether we're a Christian or not. But it's our dependence on the Spirit that'll tell us what kind of Christian life we're going to live. And so you might be sitting here looking at that list or reading that list and going, well, I, I, I don't have that kind of fruit in my life often not kind, often short with my temper, often, often lacking self-control. You know, there's maybe a couple of hints, there's maybe a little little blossom of a flower, but there's no fruit in my life or coming from my life. So how do I go from being a Christian with just a little bit of that fruit in my life to having full fruit, being revived by the Spirit? How do I have his active help? Well, Paul tells us. He says, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Last week we talked about like being a sailing boat. And as the winds of temptation come, are our sails set to catch the wind and follow temptation's leading? Or are the winds or the sails of our life set to catch the Spirit's wind and follow his leading? And that's exactly what Paul's talking about here. And one of, one of the most helpful things we can do is share with each other stories of how we're following the Spirit's leading. How the Spirit is actively, currently, or has in the past helped us because it's a reminder and a challenge to go, I I need to train myself to think like that. Not how do I get out of this hole or how do I try harder, but how do I actively work with the Spirit and follow His leading in my life? But that is really hard to do because most of the time we don't know that it's God's leading until later after the fruit appears. And this is what we talked about in our series, Breath of God. This is one of the things that, that Mike Pilavachi talked about and demonstrated with his stories. Even for someone like him, if, if you're here or you've heard him before, you might look up to him as someone who knows God's voice and, and knows very clearly and can speak without doubt that God is saying something or doing something. But he says he never knows. He's never 100% sure, is this the Spirit's leading or is this my leading? I, I don't know. And you don't know until you see the fruit. And that's why the stories of, of trusting this might be the Spirit, so I'm going to give it a go. And then the fruit are so helpful for us. So, so before I finish, let me share three stories, two from friends and, and one from myself, all from the last few months, just to, to encourage you about how the Spirit leads and help you draw connections between how the Spirit is leading in your life. So the first one is from a friend of mine, and she has been really struggling in her workplace, particularly with one other person that she works with that has been very, very difficult to work with, but also doing things and making decisions that she doesn't agree with. And she doesn't think are helpful for their organization and what they're doing. And so she's kind of sitting there going, well, I I don't know what to do. Like, personally, I love my job, but I don't like what I'm part of, and I don't like how this person is affecting me and affecting what we're doing, so I don't know what to do. And some of you are sitting there going, Is he telling my story? Because <laughs> we've all been there. And so she's praying and asking God, what, what do I do in this situation? In the big picture, do I stay or do I go? But then also, how, how do I stay or, or how do I go? And and I can't remember the details of, of her story. And, and because this is Laura's message, not mine, I only had this morning to work on it. I haven't asked her permission. So that's why I keep these stories vague and without too many details. But um, I don't think you know her anyway. But But somehow the spirit just gently prompted her that it was right for her to stay in that situation, but that she wasn't supposed to speak up against the other person. Even though she thought that they were wrong and hurting situations and people, she was supposed to keep her hands clean rather than get them dirty and try and solve the situation. And so she did. And she had to wrestle with that and trust that. Each time she was frustrated or angry or disappointed, I'm going to trust that that was God's leading and wait for the fruit to come. Now, another friend of mine, also in the same workplace, also struggling with the same co-worker, also asking God, what do I do? Also sensed stay. It wasn't like a, you know, stay for a long time. It was just hang on at least for now, like see the year out. But to this friend, to him, he sensed God saying it's right to speak up. Not to go in with your guns blazing, not to try and cut this person down, not to accuse, but when you have an opportunity to speak your truth and and speak up about this bad stuff that's happening. Two people, both filled with the Spirit in the same environment, sensing the Spirit's leading differently. And the way that they followed the Spirit's leading led to life coming in their workplace. The one who could have, but felt they weren't supposed to speak up, that worked out really well, that it would have been a big bad mess if they had. For the one who sensed they were to speak up in the right opportunity, out of the blue, receive those opportunities. And the situation was dealt with without them having to control it or manage it. That's how the spirit leads. We don't know at the time, but over time we'll get to trust and know his voice. We'll have a go and then wait for that fruit. Where is the fruit of the spirit? In, in my life? Is this decision leading me to patience and to love and to joy and to peace? And is it happening around me over time? Now, the last one I want to share with you um, is, is one from myself. Now, you'll know if you've been around our church for a while that for years I have, have not just tried to um, prepare messages and preach with the Spirit's active help, but also see is there, is there anything in particular, like you know, a particular um, prompt or, or, or calling or word or response that could be for someone who's here in the room or watching online and that's their thing to kind of cut through the stuff going on in their life, like a, a, um, a word of knowledge, a word from the Spirit that is, just kind of cuts through and helps them to respond to God or gives them some encouragement. Um, and I never ever think that, or I never ever know that the word or the phrase or the concept that God gives me is from God. They usually sound ridiculous. And I get really annoyed at God that they do sound ridiculous because there are lots of people like Mike Pilavachi who preached on this stage who seem to get like, you know, it's like a picture or a phrase or a concept. And I'll just get like one word, like the word chicken, which was, I don't know, a month ago or something, I felt like maybe it was God, maybe it was just me. I said, hey, just put the word out there and see if anyone wants to respond for prayer for that word. So I put the word out there, felt as silly as I always do, and no one responded, and, and, and I get to that place of being, it's okay, I don't get it right all the time. It doesn't, doesn't need to have been God, it could have been me. And that helps me learn, what does God's voice sound like? And just let it go and try and trust God and listen the next time. And then it was... Uh, I can't remember exactly and and again because this is last minute I haven't asked for permission but someone who's part of our church came to me uh, this past week or or the week before and they sat down in my office and they said you said the word chicken a few weeks ago and uh, and for them there was this deep conviction with tears about what that word meant for them and how they needed to respond to God about how they were feeling like a chicken in not sharing their faith it wasn't wasn't like an attack from God or a rebuke from God it was an invitation to turn from feeling like a chicken towards courage and boldness and until that moment in my office for the previous three or four weeks I had had no idea that that was actually following the Spirit's leading so as we finish this morning my encouragement to you is to follow the Spirit's leading and look for his fruit in your life and in the lives of others around you because you will not know you will not know until you see the fruit that's how the spirit speaks that's how the spirit leads look for the fruit of the spirit within your own life you can see it there on the screen are these things happening because i follow this this prompting this leading this word this encouragement And I'm going to look for that in my life and in the world around me as I follow. Now, here's the most important thing when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The leading, the prompting, the miracles, the prophecies are amazing when they happen. But that's not why we pay attention to the Holy Spirit and not why we follow his lead. The most important thing is that he reveals Jesus to us and draws us into relationship with Jesus through all of those big things and all of the really small leadings. And so we need to seek the person of Jesus and not just the power of his spirit. And as we do that, as we seek Jesus with the Holy Spirit's empowerment and leading and help, we will be revived with enthusiasm to follow and we will have the the active help of the spirit which we absolutely need let's pause for a couple of moments and then we'll pray jesus we thank you that you didn't leave us on your own but you sent your spirit another advocate another helper another comforter another one to be with us always and never leave and so just in the next few moments now we just want to rest and be still Knowing that even when we do nothing, you are always at work through your Holy Spirit. Every time we breathe, we can be reminded of the breath of your spirit that fills us. And the fruit of your spirit that, then, that can come out of our life for the benefit of others. I've got another weird idea to share with you. I can just see, see in my mind um, like an image of a, a Shetland pony, one of those really small horses just inside a fence. Um, and I only just found out recently, I always thought that ponies were baby horses. Not Shetland ponies, but you know, the word pony was baby horse, but it's not. Pony's a type of horse. And, uh, and I wonder if there's someone here today where spiritually you feel like everyone else got to be a big horse and you got stuck being a pony. God wants to let you know that Shetland ponies aren't a creative mistake God created small ponies for their own beauty and their own purpose equal in value to the largest horse but unique in what they each bring to the world And so you might feel like you're small and nothing and not worth as much as someone that you're comparing yourself to. But to God, you are of equal absolute value and beauty to him. And may you know that today in Jesus' name.